grab your Bible. Go with me to 2 Timothy chapter number 1. 2 Timothy chapter number 1. And uh, Brother Al, you're going to have to help me good this morning, brother. You, you got my back, man. I know you do. 2 Timothy chapter number 1. I'm just going to read one verse to you. 2 Timothy chapter number 1, verse number 14. That good, shout the next word. Shout it. That good, shout it. Thing which was committed to you, keep by the Holy Ghost that dwells on the inside of you. That good thing that was committed to you, keep it by the Holy Ghost that dwells on the inside of you. Everybody said amen. That's all we're going to read. You ready? You ready? There is no doubt outside of Jesus of Nazareth that the Apostle Paul is the most prolific, prominent voice that we hear through the pages of the New Testament. Paul was absolutely astounding. He was amazing. Paul was multilingual. He was multicultural. If he was with the Romans, he could be a Roman. If he was with the Jews, he could be like a Jew. If he was with the heathen Gentiles, he could he could connect with the heathen Gentiles. Paul was this really this Renaissance man. You know, growing up, I always liked to compare myself to Paul. I always thought me and Paul have somewhat of a kinship till I figured out Paul is way too smart for me to ever compare myself to him. The man speaks multiple languages. I speak multiple languages too. I speak English and I speak redneck and they are not the same thing. All right. And so I remember growing up thinking Paul's just like me. Paul's this good old fashioned Southern Pentecostal preacher that bucks and hacks when he preaches ha, and your Bible ha, talks about ha, in the book of first Timothy ha, and second Timothy, ha, that good thing, ha, oh, ha, oh, that good ha, thing. I used to grow up preaching like that. And I was like, me and Paul, we on the same page. This is who Paul is till I found out that's not who Paul is at all. Paul's not a good old fashioned Southern Pentecostal preacher like myself. Paul was so smart. He was so brilliant. He was so academic that Paul would be more fitting to be in the, 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 the faculty of a Harvard or a Yale or a Princeton teaching in their religious studies department. I know that breaks our heart about Paul because we think we're like Paul, but let's be honest, Paul's way too smart for us to be compare ourselves to him. If we got really honest, we're not like Paul. We're more like Peter. I'm so thankful for Peter. The one thing you learn from Peter's life is that you can blow it big time and God can still use you. Is anybody thankful for Peter? Paul wrote volumes upon volumes upon volumes of theology. He's writing Romans chapter number eight. Things we're still wrestling with thousands of years later trying to figure out what he meant. He's writing in Romans chapter number eight talking about all of creation is groaning and travailing for the manifestation of the sons of God. He's writing things in Romans. We still don't know what he's talking about. Volume. He's writing volumes in Ephesians about being seated with him in heavenly places in Christ and talking about mysteries that were hidden from the beginning of the world, but now they're being made revealed to us. They wrote volumes. Peter wrote eight chapters. Volumes, eight chapters. Not even eight long chapters, eight short chapters, real short chapters. Paul's writing all of this theology. This is Peter's message in his two letters. I know you're going through hell. Keep going. <laughs> right? 
I like Peter because Peter had a fit, what I like to call a fit of carnality every once in a while. Peter wanted to slap some people from time to time. Peter, walking with Jesus, got so ticked off, he tried to cut a man's head off. We tell everybody that he cut a man's ear off. Do you know how good you have to be with a sword to cut an ear off? Peter was going for the man's head, and the man ducked, and Peter got his ear. Okay? We're not like Paul. We're like Peter. Y'all going to have to help me this morning. This ain't a lecture, okay? This is not a monologue. This is a dialogue. We're not like Paul. We're like Peter. Paul is writing all of these amazing theological concepts. He's writing all of this deep, profound information. He's, he's, and this is what I know about Paul. He's smart enough to know that you don't reveal all of the good stuff at the beginning. You build your way up and you drop the bomb at the end. It's just like in preaching. You don't give the punchline too fast. You you have to set them up and you have to drop it at the end. It's the same thing. Have you ever had two people try to tell the same joke? And one person can land it and the other person cannot? That's because one person knows how to tell it and the other one don't know how to tell it. All right? And I know Paul is smart enough to know how to tell this story. And so he's writing in Galatians profound truths. He's writing in 1 Corinthians profound truths. He's writing in Ephesians and Romans and who I believe wrote Hebrews. He's writing all of these profound truths. And then finally, we wind up at his very last letter. His second letter to his spiritual son, Timothy. This is the last thing Paul's going to say before he dies. And so when I flip my Bible open to 2 Timothy, I'm thinking, what is this man about to say that he's not already said? Because, Paul, I know you know to set me up and drop the bomb at the end. You were dropping bombs at the beginning. What do you have left to say? Do you see my question of the text? Let me ask it again. Okay, in Al I'm from Alabama. I don't know how y'all do in Tennessee. In Alabama, this means yes. This means no. Do y'all see my question of the text? You can't just read the Bible. You got to read the Bible. You got to get up in it. You got to ask the Bible questions. You have, if you do not talk to the Bible, the Bible will not talk back to you. And Revelation begins, listen, Revelation begins by asking questions that currently look like they do not have answers. And so when I look at the text, when I look at Paul's last letter, I'm thinking, what in the world do you have left to say? You, you know, Paul, I remember you said you got caught up to the third heaven. Remember that? Do y'all remember that? That's in your Bible, 2 Corinthians chapter 10. If you never read it, just fake it. Y'all remember that? Yeah. Maybe, Paul, maybe, Paul, when you got caught up to the third heaven, maybe you're going to share some of that stuff that God showed you when you got caught up into the third heaven. I know you said you wasn't supposed to. It was not lawful for you to speak of it, but you're about to die and go to heaven anyway. Don't worry about it. Just drop the bomb on us. Give us the good stuff. Give us those mysteries that we've never seen before. What do you have left to say? And this is where Paul takes us. This is where Paul takes us. That good thing, Timothy, that was committed to you. Keep it by the Holy Ghost. Paul, come on, man. You're so smart, but the only word you could think of to describe what you're talking about was thing. Sometimes you experience things in God that if you try to relate it to other people, the only way you could relate it to them is if you spoke in tongues to them. I don't know, I just got to tell you in words I can't even understand. 
I see this brilliant theologian writing to his spiritual son. And this is the last thing he's got to say. And he's writing to his son that is a pastor. I'm thinking, Paul, there's so many things you need to go back and cover over again. Number one, you messed all of us up when you were talking about women being in the ministry. We still fighting over that. So would you please clarify? Paul thought it not important to clarify that. Paul, would you give us some revelation on apostles and prophets? Because sometimes those two groups of people can be absolutely insane. Could you bring some boundaries to the apostolic and the prophetic movement? Paul did not find it important to deal with apostles and prophets. This is what he says to us. That good, that good, what, what, what word am I thinking of? That, that thing, guard it. That, oh man, how can I say this right? You, you know, it, 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 that, that thing. You know, when Mary was pregnant with Jesus, the angel came from her and said, that holy, didn't call it a baby. Didn't call it a son. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost. Didn't call it, didn't call it themselves that holy thing. That thing. Paul is writing his last letter. Listen to me. Hang in here with me. Paul is writing his last letter to his spiritual son, Timothy, who's leading a thriving church. And I'm saying, Paul, no, 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 no. I'm a young pastor, Paul. I need, I need to know what Timothy knew. Oh, I feel this in my bones. I need to know what Timothy needed to know. Teach me how to lead this church. Teach me how to structure small groups. Teach me how to deal with elders. Listen, listen, listen. Teach me how to deal with elders and deacons. Show me what I need to do. Show me what I need to understand. Show me how to lead this church and then I figured out Paul told Timothy exactly how to lead his church this is all you've got to do Timothy that thing that God's put down on the inside of you you got to make sure that you guard it for the rest of your life oh before you wade too deep into the theology of apostles and prophets and eschatology just make sure Timothy that fire that the Holy Ghost has put on the inside of you make sure it never goes out you gonna make that one Make sure it never goes out. That thing, that what, what Jeremiah called that fire in the bones, make sure it never goes out. As we called a prayer meeting, we started calling prayer meetings. We've had them, we've been having them twice a week. And I said, we work so hard to get the environment right. We want to get the lights right. We want to get the sound right. Look at this school. We're trying to put lipstick on a pig. Show us a little bit of grace in Jesus' name. We're trying to get the front of the house right. We're trying to get all this stuff right. But if we don't seek God, if we do all of that, but we don't seek God, we will fail. But if we seek God and we don't have any of this, then God will make sure that his touch and his kiss is on Hope Unlimited Church. Those people up under the bridge don't need a light show. They need a word from God. They need an anointing on somebody's life that can break crack addiction off of them. They need an anointing on somebody's life that can break prostitution off of them. I'm preaching better than you shout. Somebody say amen. That, that thing, that thing. I'll tell you, I probably shouldn't say, <laughs> but I will. It's my church. It's my church. I preach if I want the fire of God has been so stripped out of our service, we don't even know how to respond. Come on. Talk about the fire of the Holy Ghost burning down in your bones. We're like, Come on. like we're at the PGA tournament. I'm talking about that thing that wakes you up at two in the morning. 
Some of y'all in here don't have any clue what I'm talking about. Some of you in here, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Uh, let, me, let, me, let me do it like this. Let me do it like this. I'm going to ask you a question. And if your answer is yes, respond by the lifting of one hand. Okay, let's practice. Perfect. How many of you remember what it felt like the day after you got born again? Raise your hand. Y'all remember what that felt like? Y'all remember what that felt like? You remember what it felt like when everything felt new? Y'all remember that? I remember when I got born again. I was 12 years old. I remember the Holy Ghost started convicting me at nine. But at my church, you had to get baptized if you got saved. And I was too short for the baptistry, so I thought I'd drown. It's a true story. So I waited a couple of years until I grew a little bit. And I remember thinking, all my buddies here, they're going to go to hell. But I'm not going to hell with them. Y'all remember my pastor had one message, you're going to hell? Okay. And so I remember getting up, 12 years old, walking down the front, giving my life to Jesus. I remember getting up. And this isn't preacher cliche. It really, did, it really did look bluer outside. The sky really did look bluer, and the grass really did look greener. And people that I didn't even like, I started liking again. And I, we lived on a hill in the backwoods of Alabama. I'm talking about the backwoods of Alabama. And I started running all over that hill telling everybody, I got saved. I got saved. Something happened on the inside of me. My neighbors opening the door in their underwear, blowing cigarette smoke in my face. What are you doing? I got saved. And they cussing me out, telling me to go. I got saved. I got saved. I got saved. I got born again. Everything was made. To, how many of you remember what that felt like the day after you got born again? How many of you remember what it felt like the day after you got born again? Remember what it felt like being so clean and being so new? Some of y'all don't remember. You're like, born again? What is it? I have been born again, right? <laughs> let, me, let me ask a better question. Let me ask a better question, right? And this might, be a too, this might be too Pentecostal for some of you. Just ignore this part and pick up in a few minutes. How many of you remember what it felt like the day after? This always gets a bigger response. How many of you remember what it felt like the day after you got baptized in the Holy Ghost? That's what I thought. That's every time. How many of you remember what it felt like after you got saved? They're like, vaguely. How many of you remember what it felt like the day after you got filled with the Holy Ghost? Shoo, child, shundo, oh, talk about it. You don't remember how obnoxious you were when you first got filled with the Holy Ghost, but we remember. As leadership in the church, you out prophesying to the stop sign, and we're trying to talk you down. And you can't even walk through Walmart without falling out under the power of God. How many of you remember what it felt like the day after you got saved? Huh? The day after you got filled with the Holy Ghost? How many of you remember what it felt like? You reading the Bible? I love listening to new believers give me their latest, greatest revelation. It don't make the least bit of sense. It's heresy. It is not theologically accurate at all. And if you teach that to people, you're going to cause a mess. But I love it. They're like, I went outside and I saw a cloud and the Lord said, go. <laughs> Where are you going? <laughs> Where are you going? I think I, I, I was looking up at the sky last night and I think I saw the Lord spell my name in the stars. You're like, yes, it was a word to you, brother. Glory to God. Remember what that was like? You start reading this Bible, you start reading this book, didn't know what it was talking about, and get blessed. Read the begats and shout. Abraham begot Isaac. Whoo, glory, that's good right there. Isaac begot Jacob. I felt that. Jacob begot Judah. Judah begot, my God, I have to get up and start walking around talking about Abraham and Isaac. Y'all remember that? Reading stuff, you didn't know what it meant. You didn't know what it meant. 
You read the book of Revelation and stayed up for four days. You were so scared. <laughs> Pastor, what's wormwood? What's wormwood in the book of Revelation? <laughs> Y'all remember what that was like? You remember what it was like when the Holy Ghost would wake you up at five in the morning and you only had three hours of sleep, but something would be burning on the inside of you to go pray? Do y'all remember what that was like? Some of you have never experienced that. Some of you know exactly what I'm talking about. You remember what it was like when you would be in your car and you'd have to pull over on the side of the road because so much glory would get in the car that you said, if I don't pull over, I might kill somebody in this vehicle. And you'd have to get up out of the car and do what I call just walk it off. Just CP, I, I did it. I was 17 years old, just walking up and down the street. My car parked by Oh my God. Oh my God. Abraham begot Isaac. That's so powerful. How many of you remember what it felt like after you got filled with the Holy Ghost? You know what that's called? That's called that good thing that God's put down on the inside of you. How many of you remember what it felt like when you didn't get offended when preachers talked about money? We'll get to the jokes in a minute. Hmm? How many of you remember what it felt like? They didn't have to sing your favorite song to show up to church. You me tell you what churches are doing now? They're in a coffee and donut competition. I'm not leaning on our coffee and donuts. We'll give you some Starbucks, but there's always going to be a church with a hotter cup of coffee and a fluffier donut, and that is not what I'm trying to lean on to make sure people find God. I want to introduce people to that good thing that God can put down on the inside of you. Knoxville don't need more donuts. We need that good thing touching people. We don't need secular music so we make people feel comfortable. They need to encounter that good thing. Amen. Hallelujah. Some of y'all ain't never coming back. The quicker this can be over. Look, I'm being nice. This is only week 15. I'm being nice. Believe me. We need that thing. Remember that thing? Remember that thing that when something popped up on the television? I know holiness is not the best way to grow your church. Today, preaching holiness, preaching that is wrong and that is right and wrong is wrong and right, right is right and black is black and white is white. I know that's not the thing and I don't care. You remember when that thing got a hold of you? And something will pop up on the TV screen and you'd grab the remote and change it and start casting out devils. Ain't no devils in there. The devil is a lie. Huh? You remember what it was like to think you had one thought cross your mind that might have grieved him? I remember being 17 years old sitting in geometry class in high school and a thought crossed my mind and I would ask the teacher, can I go to the restroom? Not because I had to go to the restroom, but because I had to get my mind right and say, God, there cannot be one thing. There cannot be one thing between me and you. I know this is a little too radical for our coffee cup Christianity, but this is what the Bible calls the way of life. If you want to keep your life, then you will lose it. But if you will lose your life for my sake, then you will find it. Straight is the way and Narrow is the gate that leads to life. Trying so hard to be relevant. Trying so hard to be relevant. And Jesus said this, come out from among them. I feel my old Pentecostal roots coming out. Come out from among them and be separate. 
the world's become so churchy and the church has become so worldly, you can't even tell the difference anymore. You don't know the world don't, don't come to our church because we're dead without the good sense to lay down. Amen. Right? Because they can get their country club anywhere. That's not our assignment. Huh? Y'all with me? There will never be an altar call in this church where I say, if you want to give your life to Jesus, don't tell anybody. Silently raise your hand, fill out a card, drop it off anonymously, and then leave. And then we will put on social media. We had 86 salvations today. You didn't have 86 anything. You didn't have 86 anything. When I grew up, they said, if you want to, if you want to know God, you make a public declaration that I'm giving my life. To. I know. I know. I know. That's our problem in church. We have too many decisions. We don't have conversions. We make decisions like, do I want a Happy Meal or do I want a Big Mac? Here's your good word we need to hear in church. You ready? Repentance. Y'all all right this morning? Repentance. Holiness. Sin. And the crickets begin to chirp. Tithing. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. Wives, submit yourselves to your husbands as unto the Lord. Come out from among, have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead rebuke them. I got the first two rows with me. Huh? Because everybody's, everybody's trapped in church growth. You can have a big church full of small people, or you can have a little church full of powerful people. that good thing God's put down on the inside of you. And I'm thinking, Paul, Paul, tell him how to lead his church. And Paul says, I did. I gave you everything you needed. As long as you tend to the fire that God's put on the inside of you, everything else will work itself out. When's the last time you heard a good message on the fire of God? We don't talk about that. But he is a consuming fire. Jesus said, he's going to baptize you. If you've met Jesus, we all say we're saved. If you met Jesus, he's going to baptize you with the Holy Ghost, and he's going to baptize you with fire. That good thing that's been committed to you, you guard it by the Holy Ghost. That word keep by the Holy Ghost, that word guard, it is the same word picture used when it discusses a father guarding the innocence and the purity of his, of his daughters, of his children. I have two daughters and I have a son. There are some things, Paul, worth going to prison over. Right? If somebody were to violate one of your children, you just might have to kill them. Right? Start a prison ministry. Have revival in the prison. What are you in for? I had to kill him. Huh? 
That same word where he's, where he's talking about guarding the innocence and the purity of your children. It is every parent's worst nightmare. You can't even fathom. You can't even go there in your mind. You can't even think about the, the concept of somebody violating one of your babies. And Paul is saying that's exactly how you should view it when something comes into your life that might quench that fire that I've put down on the inside of you. Oh, I can't even fathom. I can't even fathom sacrificing this for a website. I can't fathom sacrificing this because being a Christian is way too I can't fathom sacrificing this for a relationship. Oh, perish the thought. Perish the thought that something might make this go out. Perish the, I can't even go there in my mind to think I might be normal like everybody else that shows up on church on Sunday and the goal is to see how fast they can get out. And they serve on the greeting team, so they're radical. Y'all know I'm talking. Y'all know I'm telling the truth. And don't even think about God for the rest of the week. Don't even think about God. Remember Remember when that thing first got down on the inside of you and nothing would offend you? The stuff we get offended about today is insane. It's too hot. It's too cold. I don't think you will ever be too cold in this room. I've lost four pounds already this morning. It's too loud. It's too soft. Preacher wears blue jeans. Preacher don't wear blue jeans. I ain't going to that church. Preacher ain't got tattoos. I ain't going to that church because the preacher does have tattoos. The stuff we get offended about is insane. And when that thing first touched you, couldn't nobody offend you because you didn't go to church for social stimulation. You went to church to meet with God. I still cannot figure out why we have created worship services targeted at people instead of targeted at God. Because if you don't come back, we'll be all right. But if he don't come back, nobody gets saved, nobody gets healed, nobody gets delivered, nobody gets set free. So let's find out what he wants, and then let's do that. Y'all with me? We're going, to get it. We're, going to, we're going to resume the series next week. Talking about two kingdoms, the kingdom of this world and the kingdom of God. And I believe that it will be an encouragement to your spirit. And I believe it will bless you and your family. And we will have coffee and donuts waiting just for you. So if you would come next week, we would be so excited about that. <laughs> that good thing. That good thing God's put down on the inside of you. Listen. This is what Paul's telling Timothy. And I just asked many of you, I remember, I just asked you, remember how you felt when he first touched you? Remember how you read that Bible when he first touched you? Remember, remember, when, remember when your kids were on fire and going to youth group and you didn't care that it was a school night and it was running late? You knew them getting in the presence of God was made more important than their algebra test. Remember that? Remember that? Remember that? Y'all remember that? Y'all remember, y'all remember how you felt when, when you first had that prayer language roll up out of your belly and you, you didn't know what was going on, but you knew God was transforming you? This is what Paul is saying. That feeling was never meant to leave. 
That pursuit after God was never meant to leave. You didn't grow out of it. You didn't gain some wisdom. You didn't become more mature. We stopped guarding that thing that God's put on the inside of us. We quit feeding the fire of God burning on the inside of us. So the things of this world came in. And now we just go to church, give our little tithe, greet some people. But what about the tears of intercession on Tuesday night when your babies are in bed? Oh, hallelujah. And you used to lay in front of the coffee table because your husband was in bed. And you used to just pray in the Holy Ghost because God was birthing something in your family. And God was birthing something in your church. What about when you would walk up into church on Sunday morning full of the Holy Ghost, ready to minister to somebody, ready to transform somebody's life, ready to pour out what God had been pouring into you all week long? What about that thing? What about that? If you've never experienced that, this is, let me, I don't know what other preachers have told you, but this is what living this life's all about. This is what living this life is all about. And the Holy Ghost gets into bed with you at 3 a.m. And those, that prayer language. You ain't even supposed to speak in tongues in church anymore. I saw a church on t- on, online the other day. They had a room out in the foyer called the spirit room. In case God started moving, take them to the spirit rooms. They don't bother the rest of them. Are you kidding me? This is the spirit room. If you need another room. Listen, I'm really not an angry person. (laughs) My wife will attest to that. I'm a joy and a delight, right? Hang on just a second. Wait, hang on. I ain't done yet. (laughs) That thing was never meant to leave. It was never meant to leave. It wasn't a season. I get, I get so heartbroken because when, a lot of times when I, when I preach to these places, I see all these older men of God come up to me and they say, boy, I like that preaching. Boy, you sure are passionate about it. Boy, I remember when I was your age and I would preach like that. I remember, and whenever, you want to, whenever people want to talk about their most passionate days, they have to point to some day in their past. Boy, when I first got saved, let me tell you what. What, about, what has he done for you lately? You remember when that thing touched you? And you could walk into church and somebody could sing Amazing Grace out of tune and off key and you didn't care? You could weep. Weep and cry. We have to have the most dynamic music in the church today to get people to show up. You got to have a hill song. You got to have elevation. You got to have that. And if you ain't doing all the new stuff, I will bounce out of your church and go to somebody else's. Because I love to worship. You don't love to worship, you love music. You know what I learned to pray to growing up? I didn't have, we, didn't have, we didn't have elevation back in the day. I had a one cassette tape, one, not two, one, from the Daryl Williams Trio. You don't even know what that is. You can't pray to that. You, you, you'll learn to pray or you'll give up. All they did was sing songs about going to heaven. I'm going to die and go to heaven. I'm going to die and go to heaven. Glory to God, I'm going to die and go to heaven. Hopefully sooner than rather later, I'm going to die and go to heaven. And I'd walk around my room and weep because that thing was messing with me. Hallelujah. Huh? When I grew up, we didn't, I, didn't, I, didn't have, I didn't grow up having sex in high school. Not at all. Didn't do anything. Not because I signed some purity contract and had a big event. Because that thing wouldn't let me. 
Because that thing wouldn't let me. Because God would start saying, that's not who you are. It's not who you are. I remember when I, when I got old enough to go to the prom, this girl walked up to me. She said, now, listen, I'm the only girl that's a virgin in our class. You're the only boy that's a virgin in our class, so we're going to go to the prom together. And after prom, you better be ready. I said, I'm not giving my virginity to the devil. Get your dyed hair, pimply self face out of my face. I ain't going to prom. I got somewhere to preach that night, number one. And if I didn't, that thing wouldn't let me live that way. Died hair itself. <laughs> School I went to, they had 28 people in it. I graduated 28 people. 17 girls, 11 boys. Out of those 17 girls, by graduation, nine were pregnant, three were married, and one had already went through her first divorce by graduation day. You had to serve God where I came from or pay child support. <laughs> I picked serving God. I didn't have a job at the time. I picked serving God. <laughs> you can go ahead, Will. <laughs> Stand up on your feet. Let me, draw, let me, let me give, leave you with one more thought. Are you all with me this morning? Yeah. Said, are you all with me this morning? Bring that down just a little bit. Paul tells his son, Timothy, before I die, Timothy, I got to leave you with this. No matter what you do, make sure the fire never goes out. Make sure the fire never goes out. And this is not the, and then Paul dies and he goes to heaven. But this is not the last time Timothy is addressed in the scripture after Paul's last letter to him. There's another time that somebody speaks to Timothy. And this time it's not his father, Paul. This time it's the man with fire in his eyes. History tells us that Timothy pastored an exploding church, over 20,000 people with no Instagram. He pastored a church in Ephesus. And when I say Ephesus, don't think, you know, Maryville. Think Dallas. Think New York booming metropolis. Timothy's the cutting edge leader of this church. History also tells us that Mary, the mother of Jesus, attended Timothy's church. Side note, could you imagine the pressure of having Jesus' mama? What if you said something that wasn't right? Who better to correct your theology? No doubt Mary picked the church that most closely resembled her son. Your Bible says at the church of Ephesus that they tried those that said there were apostles and they were not, and they found them to be liars. The only church in the New Testament that reached such a place of maturity, they could judge apostles. They had the authority to judge apostles. This church is doing it. Doing it. No doubt if he put him in our day and age, he would be the keynote speaker at all the church growth conferences. He was doing it. And Paul told him, whatever you do, Timothy, you guard that fire by the Holy Ghost. That way you felt, the way you felt when God first touched you, make sure that never leaves. 
the way you go after him, the when he first touched you, the way you pursued him, the way you studied, the way you sought, the way you fasted, the way you prayed, the way you called out for God, the way you lived for God. Make sure it never leaves. And Paul dies. And then we stumble upon Revelation chapter number two, where your Bible says, to the angel, to the messenger, to the leader of the church at Ephesus. He's talking to Timothy. Write these things. You have borne, you've labored, you've had patience, and you've not fainted, Timothy, and you've done it all for me. Good job. You hate the deeds. Timothy, you hate the deeds of the Nicolaitans, and I hate them too. Good job. You've tried those that say they are apostles, and you found them to be liars, and you've purged my church of deception. Good job. Nevertheless, I have one thing against you. You left your first love. In the middle of all your ministry activity, Timothy, you left your first love. This is what he's saying. You know that thing that your father Paul warned you about? You didn't listen. You didn't listen. And he did not say you lost it. Because when you lose something, it's on accident. He said you left it. You turned around and walked away. Because church got your focus. Instead of my face getting your focus. There's a great commentator by the name of Matthew Henry. He wrote a devotional commentary on the whole Bible. How he do that, I do not know. And he's writing and he's commenting about these verses in Revelation chapter number two. And this is what he says. Listen, this is this is a this is a, a, a verbose quote, but but listen to me. This is Matthew Henry. He says, The sin that Christ charged his church with was not having left or forsaken the object of love. But rather they lost the fervent degree of love that at first appeared. This is what he said. Their issue wasn't that they quit loving Jesus. If I ask everybody in here, who loves Jesus? Everybody would raise their hand. He said their issue isn't they quit loving Jesus. He said their issue is they didn't love him the way they used to. They used to have a prayer life. It's not there anymore. Oh, they pray. No doubt. No, no, no doubt. They pray. But they don't pray like they did when he first touched them. There was some tears that they had just thinking about it that they don't have anymore. There was a, a hunger for the word of God. And I'm going to tell you, it's not just people's fault. It's church's fault because we've told you it's not important and you don't need all that stuff. Right? I mean, love Jesus, but not too much. That's basically the situation that we're communicating to people. That's a situation parents communicate to their kids. Love Jesus, but not too much. I want you to be good kids. I don't want you to be godly kids. I want you to be good kids. Good kids don't get pregnant before high school. But godly kids walk through the living room and say, Mom, Dad, why y'all watching that? Y'all ain't ready for this. Hmm? 
good kids don't smoke pot in high school. Godly kids keep you up because they will not shut up praying at 3 a.m. in the morning. Their bedroom's over, over the top of yours. You want good kids or you want godly kids? said you left it. The sin Christ charged his church with was not having left or forsaken the object of love, but having lost the fervent degree of love that at first appeared. This is what it goes on to say this. The first affections of men toward Christ are usually lively and warm, but they abate and they cool off if they're not preserved in constant exercise. He said they must repent. They must be humbled and ashamed at their sinful decline, and they must seek to revive and recover their first tenderness, their first seriousness, and their first passion. And they must watch as diligently and pray as fervently as when they first set out in the ways of God. This is what he's saying. You want to recover first love? You got to go back and do first works. You got to go back and pray the way you used to pray, even when you don't feel it. If I took church people's iPhones from them, half of them wouldn't have a prayer life anymore. And we didn't, we didn't quit what we were doing in Alabama and move to Knoxville and be in this, this 5,000 degree oven to plant another Christian country club. I want somebody that'll say, let's go deeper in God than we've ever been in our life. I want, I want somebody to look me in the face and say, there's another level beyond a small group and a parking team. There is another level. There's a fire that can follow you day and night and night and day that never goes out. 